Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to take part in the conversation, please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you'll enjoy this message. What is up, Next Level Church? Man, welcome to all of you who are in one of our services at Plantation or at Gateway or watching online on our app. Welcome. This is part four of our Be Desperate series. And guys, I'm so excited because this weekend we have a special guest speaker with us, Pastor Jimmy Rollins from I-5 Church in Baltimore. Come on. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. Next level. Listen, here's the deal. I believe, and so many of you have felt this too, that we are heading into a whole new season as a church. And I've heard Pastor Jimmy share this message that he's about to share with us this weekend before. And I'm telling you, when I heard it, I thought that is a word for our church. So Next Level Church, get ready because God is about to move on us like we've never experienced before. Come on, Next Level. Put your hands together. Welcome, Pastor Jimmy Rollins. Love you, man. What's up? What's up? What's up? Next Level. Come on, let's put our hands together. I always say at our church, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It is so good to be here uh, from Baltimore, right outside of Baltimore, Maryland, at I-5 Church. I pastor a church there called I-5 Church. The I stands for impact, and there's five things we do. It's our missional points, which are food, water, clothing, shelter, and care. And I'm just so excited to be here in Fort Myers. It's hot. <laughs> and big people sweat when it's hot. Come on, somebody. But can you give it up for your awesome pastors? Come on, come on, pastors Matt and Sarah Keller. And uh, I believe I have a word from the Lord for you today. Uh, I'm just so excited at this message that God has allowed me to carry around the world on diversity. And you've been in this uh, series on being desperate. And I want to talk to you today about being desperate for diversity. Desperate for diversity. Uh, About three and a half years ago, God called me to pastor the church that I pastor right now. I had served my parents for 17 years at a traditional African-American church. It was all African-American. We did choir songs. Church was three hours. Come on, somebody. And, uh, Uh, And God says, no, I'm calling you to have a dynamically diverse church. And and, and we have seen heaven because you know why? Whenever there's unity, there's suddenlies, right? And and what happens is because we've unified our, you know, I want our church to look like our community. And because we've unified our church, man, God has been moving big time. And so I just want to share with you our story a little bit uh, today. But before I get started, we're going to do a little exercise. Uh, uh, Did did anyone ever do this growing up? Well, here's the the church and here's the steeple. Can you all do that with me, right? You open up the door and hear all the people. Just just wiggle your people a little bit. Just wiggle them, right? All my people are black. Come on. Come on. What about you, right? All your people are white or Hispanic or Asian, right? Well, I don't believe that that is what God has called us to do when when he called us to go out with the freeing message of Jesus Christ and share the good news. In fact, all of us are commissioned to go out and make disciples of all. Somebody say all. All people. Well, before that, it says Jesus was given all authority for us to make disciples of all people. And here's the idea. Could it be that we have only experienced some of God because we're only after some of his people? No, he gave all authority for all people. And so if we're not after all people, come on, somebody, we're not after all people, 
then we might not have experienced all that God has for us yet. You see, I believe that God is calling us to have a dynamically diverse church. And you may say, well, 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 Pastor, what's dynamically diverse? I believe it is a representation of the expression of your community. In other words, it's a multifaceted expression for a multifaceted community. That is what being diverse really means. And it's not just about black and white or Hispanic and Asian. It's about generational diversity. It's about uh, uh, gender diversity. It's about religious diversity. What about disability? It's all of these things. But today we're going to highlight, kind of hone in on ethnic diversity. I want us to leave today having a desperation for diversity. You see, in many churches, we talk about the culture. What's the culture of the church? What's the atmosphere of of, of growth in our church? And I believe it's great to have a great worship culture, as you all do. Your worship is phenomenal. Can you give it up for the worship team here at Next Level? But I believe that heaven is going to look like It's going to be diverse. It's going to look like the United Nations, man. And I believe God's church, that there is power in the church coming together, putting our differences aside, and going after people who are lost. Come on, somebody, in the name of Jesus. You see, at I-5 Church, he called us. He says, Jimmy, I want you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. So here's the question. How can we say that we're the hands and feet of Jesus if we don't have the heart of Jesus. See, the heart of Jesus was Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Few of y'all can sing, come on. <laughs> Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Well, here's the deal. If all are precious in the sight of Jesus, are all precious in our sight? You see, I believe that God is calling the church to love beyond our preferences and live beyond ourselves. And, and here's the deal. Like, when God is calling us for unity, unity is not uniformity. Unity is when we celebrate our differences, what, for the common goal to win people who are different to Christ. I told our church when we went on this journey, we did a series uh, called Diverse City. And I said, I preached a message called The Elephant in the Pew. And the message was, here's the elephant. You ready? Our church is too black. That's what I preached. We were 99% African-American. And I said, guys, like, I don't believe this is heaven. I don't believe God has called us to get caught up in our worship styles. You see, I never heard a white guy say, oh, I go to this white church up the street. But black people do. You know, I go to this black church, yeah. We got an organ. We got chairs on the stage. Service is four hours. Come on, somebody. And Sister Betty left her tracks at the, sta- at, the, uh, at the altar when she caught the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. No, God is calling us to be a dynamically diverse church. And there, guess what? Because whenever there is unity, there are suddenlies. Psalms 133 says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Man, God can do some incredible things. You see, I believe this, and we give life apps at I-5 Church. And it's simply this. If you don't remember anything else, we want you to remember this life app. It takes a diverse church to reach a diverse community. It takes a diverse church to reach a diverse community. I want to tell you a story. About 32 years ago, 1983, come on, somebody. 
parachute pants. Come on, y'all remember those? Jams, Jordans, Daisy Dukes, short shorts. Y'all remember? High socks, right? Well, I played basketball. It was a whole lot of pounds ago. Don't judge me. And I played for my dad's team. My dad was my coach, and we, was the, we were eight to ten boys, you know, eight, nine, and ten-year-old, man. You know, we didn't shower, brush our teeth. Come on, somebody. We stunk as a team, no, literally, <laughs> you know. And, and my dad, I remember getting to the championship game, and it was a week before we were prepping for the game. And he says, listen, guys, I think we can win the championship. And all of us are going, uh-uh, no, we can't. He's like, why are you guys so negative? And I was like, because they have a dude named Lomax. Somebody say Lomax. Lomax was four foot five. We were all three nine. This dude, he was so bad in the layup line, he could smack the glass. Come on, somebody. He, I, mean, I mean, we were threatened by Lomax. And I remember, you know, my dad says, well, I got a game plan. And we're like, what's your game plan? You know, we were all sitting there, and he was planning. He says, listen, we're going to do four things. We're going to play as a team. Play as a team. Move the ball around. Move the ball around. Don't waste any opportunities. Don't waste any opportunities and never give up. Never give up. But they got Lomax. <laughs> Lomax was bad, y'all. He was bad. He was like Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, I was like Charles Barkley. I had, to, I had Charles Barkley's build. It was a little, a little bigger. You know what I mean? But Lomax was absolutely incredible. And I remember, never forget, we got to the game. First quarter. You know, they were up by one. Lomax had every single point. All of their points, I think it was like 15 to 16. Uh, we had 15. Lomax had all 16. This boy was bad. <laughs> Second half, you know, same thing. We get to halftime. We get to the third quarter. Game time. We get to the fourth quarter. Ten seconds to go. We're down by one. It was us 33, Lomax 34. Come on, somebody. My dad says, time out. I call a timeout. We all sit on the bench. He's like, guys, we can win this game. We're going to play as a team. Don't forget. We're going to move the ball around. Don't forget. We're not going to waste any opportunities. And lastly, we are never, ever going to give up. So we, he says, say it. Play as a team. Move the ball around. Now, who's going to take the shot? <laughs> I got two bulldogs. Maybe if you got one. When my dogs get in trouble, they don't want to look at me. So I've been looking at them. They're like, we were, not look, trying to, we were trying not to look at my dad. Nobody wanted to take the shot. And, of course, my dad, he didn't have many wins in life. So he looks down and says, my son's going to take the shot. Don't be that, dad. <laughs> so, so my dad says, you're going to take the shot. No lie, true story. I started to hyperventilate. No lie. <gasps> oh, my gosh, I can't. My mom comes running out of the stands. Don't be that mom. <laughs> and here's what I'm trying to figure out, ladies. How in the world do you have everything in your purse for any event? <laughs> my mom pulls out a brown paper bag some chicken grease on the bottom. She's like, breathe into this. So I start breathing in the back. I'm hyperventilating. I'm starting to catch my breath. My dad says, boy, get out there. So we get out there. The whistle blows. I'm dribbling up the court. I pass the ball to the right. I, I, I go left. I come back off a cut. The ball goes around. It's 10 seconds left. The, the, I mean, it's counting down. The ball comes to me with five seconds left. Four, three, two. I put the ball up. I, no lie, Lomax came on me. I was closing my eyes. I was scared. I put it up. Three, two, one, and went through the net, and we win. The boys, eight to ten. Come on. How awesome is this dude? <laughs> Here's the deal. How do we win? Well, we played as a team. We moved the ball around. We didn't waste any opportunities. And lastly, we never, ever, ever gave up. Well, here's the deal. You see, you know, facing low match was pretty hard. But we're not talking about 
What we're confronted with today as a country is not uh, the hopes and dreams of a boy who's 8 to 10 or 9 years old. We're not confronted by a 4 foot 5 inch Lomax. We are confronted by something that has been around for generations and it's time for us as the church to be the leaders and how we're going to deal with racial prejudice, how we're going to deal with stereotypical thinking, how we're going to deal with being biased. God is calling the church and I believe that the church is the hope of the world and if we in this season are going to do anything to change the game when it comes to acceptance and God's love, come on some then it's going to be the church who is going to have to lead us forward. The church. You see, we have legislation. And I told my church this. Yeah, the signs have been taken down off of bathrooms that separate colors. And the signs have been taken down off of water fountains. But has the signs been taken down off our hearts? That's what I asked our church. Are we so uh, 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 at a point where, you know, we start believing in something called unjustified or justified unforgiveness? Like as if we have a right to not forgive based on generational things that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. I confronted our church. And I believe that God has given me a a, a word and a message to be able to talk about something that's very difficult to discuss in the church. Why? Because God wants us to be the pace setters. God wants us to be, to change the game when it comes to diversity. God wants us to change or to be desperate for diversity. My neighbor, uh, she has a a little garden outside of her house and and I live in a great community. I'll never forget, the day I moved in, one of my neighbors, they were like, well, how do you afford to move here? I was like, I sell drugs. I just, I just went with it. I just went with it. You better watch your sons. Uh-huh. I just go ahead and went with it, you know. But my, ne- my, my one neighbor, she was planting fruit. And, and, and every day, you know, I was waiting for the fruit, you know, to grow so I could steal it, so I could, you know, confirm their stereotypes. <laughs> But something else was stealing it. Every single day we'd go out and wait, but, you know, something was picking at it. And so I got up early one morning and saw deer going there stealing the fruit. And I thought about this. Has, has diversity and, or lack of diversity and prejudicial thinking and, and, and ethnic stereotyping and, 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 and jokes that, are, that we laugh about, but that's the way we really feel, are they stealing the fruit of the church? Are they stealing the fruit of unity? Are they stealing the fruit of what God has called us to love everybody? That there's no fear in love? You see, here's the deal, man. When you think about legislation, yeah, we have black hands that sign white paper. Yeah, we have white hands that sign in black ink. The problem is, is we're still not holding hands. And I believe it's time for us to hold hands. That's why I love your pastors. I love when I met, it wasn't black or white. It wasn't my church or your church. Man, we just became brothers. And I believe that that's what it's going to take for us to make Jesus famous again in this country. Come on, somebody. You may say, Pastor, well, what is stereotyping? It's, 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 mis- it's misconceptions. It's, 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 it's when people classify other people according to a conventional or common opinion based on a misconception. You know, when I was younger, I used to fight a lot. I did. I got in a lot of fights, right? And we go to this little park called, called, called Little Hammond Park. 
in every single fight, you know, you don't know me, you don't know me. Back and forth, you don't know me cuz, you don't know me. You don't know me, and back and forth. I believe that if we're going to deal with this, if we're going to truly make Jesus famous and bring the love of Christ in again in our communities, we have to get to know one another. To know one another. Paul smashed stereotypes in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, and 23. He says this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, he's desperate right here. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all, somebody say all, in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living moralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. In other words, I stayed true to who I am. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Man, our country right now, so many of my friends are calling me, says, well, I don't understand what's going on and what happened in Baltimore, and I don't understand. And, let me, and I told my friends, especially my white friends, this, I said this, you will never understand, but I can inform you. You'll never get walking out of your house every single day and you're the minority. You'll never get pulled over because you've been racially profiled. That's something that you'll never understand. But I can inform you, and through information and through sharing and giving, uh, 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 having wisdom, guess what? We can overcome this thing. We can overcome this thing. So I, I, I thought about it, some, 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 some standard stereotypes. Can, can we have a little fun in church? Is that all right? Can, is that all right? Nobody get offended, okay? So, so just um, for sake of this message, we're not going to be politically correct. Black and white, <laughs> not, you know, African-American and Caucasian. Anglo and African. No, we're not doing that. Black and white. All right. And so uh, anybody see white men can't jump or heard about that movie? So wouldn't that be a stereotype that white people can't jump? That'd be a stereotype. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. It's okay. It's all good. Look at the person next to you. It's all good. He's not an angry black guy. He's just preaching. It's, it's all good. Well, here it is. Here's another one. White folks, I don't think I'm just going to let you know a stereotype that you might not be aware of. Black people feel like you don't season your food well. That's why they don't come for dinner. <laughs> right? White folks think that all black people can dance. Oh, he's black. He's got rhythm. <laughs> he claps on the two and the four, not the one and the three. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, I'm mean, serious. Some white people think all we eat is fried chicken and watermelon. You, I have a complex now. I'm not going to lie. I went to my son's soccer game, and there was a pot of watermelon, and it would look good, but I didn't eat it. I was struggling. I didn't want to conform to the stereotypes, but it's good. Right? <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know, and we get back to the dancing thing. I saw some of y'all jumping, doing praise and worship, y'all white folks. Y'all got a little rhythm. See, when a white person has rhythm, black people go, oh, shucks, look at Sally. <laughs> you know, I said Sally. That's a white name, right? If I said Shaquita, you'd know what I was talking about, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? You'd know what I was talking about. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I'm black. I can't jump. I can't dance. And my favorite food is Italian food. Come on, somebody. Give it up for me. 
You see, when we start talking about church, we start classifying things and we start saying, you know, well, that church, you know, they wear skinny jeans and, 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 and you know, that black guy, he wears baggy jeans. Well, let me tell you something. If I wore skinny jeans, it'd be offensive. Come on, somebody. You know, when well, they play guitars and they play organs and, and you, know, uh, the, you know, their music, who cares, man? Who cares? Are, are, they, are they preaching Jesus? Are, are people getting saved and, and filled with the Holy Spirit? Are people getting, him whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Are people getting freed? When we start thinking about uh, what type of church, you know, Dr. King said, he said, we have to face the sad fact that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week and Sunday school is the most segregated school in our country. I believe we've got to deal with that. I want to leave you, I want to give you a point here that says this. I believe that we have to stop building our church based on our preferences and start being his church based on his preferences and what he prefers. I want to give you five quick pitfalls of stereotypes. Number one, stereotypes divide. They divide. In Galatians 3.28, it says this, In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew, non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all, somebody say all, you are all equal. That is, we are all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. There can be no division in his church. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Number one is a pitfall is, is, is stereotypes divide. Number two is stereotypes produce prejudice or, or, or prejudicial thinking. Man, when we start putting people in categories, what happens is our, 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 our opinions become preferences. Our preferences become standards. Our standards become traditions. Our traditions become philosophies. And then we become religious. And when you become religious, you, you lose opportunity for relationship. So now that which you prejudge, you have no opportunity to get to know. It's a misconception. Stereotypes divide. They produce prejudice. Number three, stereotypes feed ignorance. Any of y'all ever met somebody who's ignorant? <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you're sitting beside them. Come on, son. When I was in Bible college, I used to go to the freshman like uh, orientation, and I've, I've cleared this story with my wife, and I would go because that's where the freshman girls were coming in, so I was going to look for a girl, and I'll never forget this boy named Gimpy. He was sitting across the, the table from me, and Gimpy's this little white kid, and, and so I just messed with him a little bit. He was staring at me, so I stared back at him, and he was staring at me, so I stared at him. And he was staring at me, and I want to go, boo, because I would have scared him, you know? <laughs> the big black guy said, boo. And he looks at me, and he goes, dude. I was like, what? He's like, your palms are white. I was like, really? I said, you know what? He goes, what? I guess so is my rear end. <laughs> Stereotypes feed ignorance. I came to find out that that was the first time that Gimpy had ever seen an African-American face-to-face. And we became great friends after that. And when we, he knows that I preached that story, and it's absolutely amazing to see what God can do when you're willing to have a relationship with someone. Stereotypes produce uh, divide. They produce prejudice. They feed ignorance. They produce a critical heart, a critical heart. When we begin to change things at I-5 Church, uh, uh, you know, not sing gospel songs for one year. We took the, you know, chairs off the stage. We, you know, we shortened services. We started wearing jeans. I mean, you thought I was the Antichrist. Come on, somebody. And I remember this lady, she came up to me, because any of y'all ever heard the song, uh, Break Every Chain? There's power. Well, there's two artists, you know. There's, let me just break it down. There's the white way and the black way, right? 
the white way is there is power in the name of Jesus, right? To break every chain, break every chain, right? That's how it goes. Well, the white, the black way is a little bit different. It goes like this. This is a little more grit. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain. That's how we're doing the black church. Break, break. And it's real long. Break, break, break. And we keep doing the same word. Break, break. Break, 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 break. break. <laughs> and she says to me, she says, Pastor, I said, what? She goes, we're not doing it the right way. We need to do it the black way. And I said, ma'am, I wanted to lay hands on her, but I didn't. I said, ma'am, you've missed the whole point. It's not in the way that we sing the song. It's the man who we're singing about. And the song says there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Stereotypes. The last thing they do is kill opportunity for relationship. My grandmom. My grandmama, she went to be home. She went to uh, a home to be with the Lord a few years ago. And I never forget being in her house. And, and uh, when she got sick, and she was still, that's how I get my, my personality from her. She, I mean, she, you know, she could tell jokes. And, you know, we call it cook now. You know, did you cook somebody? That means you made fun of them. You know, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm giving you all the urban dictionary right now. <laughs> right? And uh, so I went in her house, and she was sick, and she only had a couple weeks to live. And she goes, Jimmy. And I said, what? She goes, you never guess what? I said, what, Grandma? She goes, there was a white man in my house today. I couldn't believe it. I said, Grandma, after 90-some years, it's the first time you ever had someone white in your house? She goes, yep. I said, so what would you do? She goes, I asked him for a hug. I said, really? She goes, I said, how was it? <laughs> she says, it was good. I said, Grandma, you know what they say? She said, what? I said, once you go white, you never go back. Man, we got to deal with stereotypes. So how do we deal with stereotypes? You know, how do we kill this, this thinking? Well, I believe that my dad was on to something over 32 years ago. Number one is we've got to play as a team. We are all on the same team, red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. It doesn't matter the way that we do songs. It doesn't matter how we worship. The fact is, is we're all worshiping a God who can set us free. We're all on the same team. I had to convince my kids of that. My kids are, uh, I've got three kids, a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. And my wife, she's mixed. That means her, and let me give you, she's a good mix. Like, I'm an overachiever. I outpunted my coverage. Some of y'all will get that in a second. My, my, my wife's father is as white as white can get. He's French-Canadian. And my, my wife's mom is as black as black can get. She's Zambian. But they made a good mix called my wife, Irene. And even when I order coffee, people say, well, what? how do you want your coffee? I said, just make it look just like her. Just make it look just like her. We're going to be good. My kids were having this conversation. I walked in. Me and my wife walked in, and they, and they said uh, uh, they were talking about their, their shades. And Maya was like, yeah, 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 Kayla, she's caramel. She's caramel. And, 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 and Maya, I'm, I'm cocoa. You know, and mommy, she's beige. <laughs> and my son, Jaden, they couldn't because he changes color with the seasons. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and then I, they got to my turn. I'm not like waiting for my turn. I'm like, it's my turn. What are they going to say about daddy? And they got, they all like hunched a little bit. And they got quiet. Daddy's black. <laughs> really? 
Really? I born you, girl. I brought you in this place and I'll take you out. It's as if I wasn't good enough. Right? And I said, guys, we got to stop. Don't worry about it. You see, here's the deal. I interrupted and I says, what makes us one is the fact that we are all Rollins. Let me tell you what makes the church one is that we were all bought with red blood from Calvary. Come on, somebody. And that blood covers a multitude of sins. Play as a team. Look at the person next to you and say, play as a team. Now, you didn't realize. You just, you just was prejudiced to the other person. You didn't talk to the other person on the other side of you. To your B team. You got a B team. You got a B team now. It's the person on the other side of you. Play as a team. Number two is move the ball around. My dad said all of us have to take an opportunity to deal with this thing. All of us have to take an opportunity. Just like when I got in that game, we had to pass the ball around. And it had to be everyone who got the ball had to be willing to take the shot. The problem is in our society is we all have an opportunity to take the shot. But what do we do when a joke that's inappropriate comes our way? Do we laugh as if we agree? Or do we confront it so that we can make Jesus famous? I did this little exercise with my staff. My staff used to be all African American. And I said, everybody take your phones out. And they took their phones out. We were doing a leadership lesson. And I said, look at your favorites. How many people in your favorites don't look like you? And I think only one staff member had someone white in their favorites. I said, now go through your contacts real quick. Just scroll through. How many people other than business contacts that are friends of yours don't look like you? And then I told them this. I said, just like when we talk about money in the church, And we say that, you know, your checkbook can determine your heart towards generosity. I believe our cell phones and our favorites can tell a lot about our heart towards diversity. How many people do we have in our relational sphere that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that don't walk like us? How are we sharing the love of Jesus Christ? Play as a team. We got to move the ball around. Number three. Can't waste any more opportunities. I've been in so many situations where I've wasted opportunities to correct or wasted opportunities to challenge or wasted opportunities to share God's love. But I want to tell you about a story about one time I didn't. We were in Buena Vista, Colorado. No, I wasn't skiing. You probably knew that already. (laughs) We don't ski. We can play basketball, though. That was pretty funny. And there was one traffic light in the whole city and one black guy, me. And my wife, she's mixed. And here's the deal. Here's what I know. When we outnumbered, if something go down, she going with them. That's what I know. I just know that. That's just something I just know. I make fun of her all the time. I was like, you really white. You know that, right? And I'll never forget it. God gave me an opportunity. I was in, uh, we went to this restaurant called Eddie Line, and we were sitting in a restaurant. And, and all of these, and we were just, I was the only black guy in the restaurant. And um, so I was getting, we were getting hated on. I'm not going to lie. It was, we were getting racially profiled. And we was looking around. And I was starting to get angry. My wife could see me getting angry. And the Holy Spirit checked me. And I remember this family this, of, of eight people walked in, walked in the Eddie line and sat down. And, and one of the, the younger guys was just staring at me. You know, like, I was getting a little bit upset, you know. I'm not going to lie to you. It was an opportunity. 
And I remember the Holy Spirit just, just that, 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 that still small voice said, I want you to pay for their meal. <laughs> and I was like, God, that's an eight top. Can we, <laughs> can, we, can we deal with the four top over there? <laughs> so I took out my credit card and I, and I called the waitress over and I said, uh, see that table over there, I want to pay for their meal. And she was like, I know she was probably thinking to herself, that's a black guy, he got a gold card, it ain't stolen, his name is on it. <laughs> so I paid for their meal. And as they found out, they all began to look over, and I could tell that their countenance just began to change. It was absolutely amazing. And as their countenance changed, they got up to walk out of the restaurant, and that probably about 18-year-old young man, I could tell this was his first encounter with an African-American. And this opportunity was going to either confirm his stereotype or unconfirm it. And so I put out my hand, and he shook it, and I could tell it was the first time. He's ever touched a black man's hand. And I said, Jesus loves you. And I have no idea what happened to him, but I know that day that opportunity wasn't waste. My question to you is, how many opportunities did you come into contact with that could potentially be wasted? I believe that God is calling us, the church, to step up and change the game when it comes to diversity. I believe God wants you to be desperate for diversity. We got to play as a team. We got to move the ball around. We can't waste any opportunities. And last one, number four, is we can never, ever give up. Paul talked about this. He says, you need to endeavor for unity. Keep going after it. Guess what? The odds are against us, but that has never stopped us. Is anything too hard for God? I want to challenge you with this story. About three years ago, I was uh, at a conference, and it was a God moment. This is when I met your pastors, Matt and Sarah Keller, and we were invited back to this pastor's house after the, uh, after the conference, and this bus came and picked us up, and we got on the bus, and I'll never forget it. We sat next to what I thought was Ken and, and, and Barbie. I mean, it was, they were, they were, he was cut, and I was already hating on him. Hopefully, my wife wasn't looking at the dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, look at me. And uh, he started talking with this thick Mississippi. Hey, pastor. He was from Mississippi. And we got to talking, and I was telling him what God was doing at I-5 Church. And he says, yeah, man, God has been, been on my heart about diversifying our church. And I wanted to say, bro, you in the wrong place, Mississippi. You know, you need to ask God to move you up north some. You know, he says, no, nah, I, I want diversity in our church. And we, I started giving him some, some tips, and he shared this story with me. See, his church is in the middle of nowhere, and he, he said one, one day during the week, this, this little black lady, she came and knocked on the door of the church. She goes, the pa- I need to talk to the pastor. And so he came, and she said, Pastor? And he said, yes, ma'am. I heard you've been trying to make this church diverse. He said, yes, ma'am. She says, Pastor, it'll never work. And he said, why? And this little old lady grabbed his hand and walked him out back of that church. And he says, Pastor, you see that big old tree over there? It's a true story. He said, yes, ma'am. She says, you have no idea, Pastor, but generations before me, slaves was hung on that tree. And Pastor, if you want to make this church diverse, you're going to have to cut down some things around here. And that pastor told me that that next week, him and his deacon board got some chainsaws. And they went out and they cut down 
some trees on that property. Come on, somebody. Absolutely awesome. And man, tears were coming down his face. And as he began to share this story, I was, I was just, man, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And I challenged him to another step. I said, Pastor. He said, yes. I said, as high as that tree was, the roots are even deeper. And I said, what did you do with the stump? And he says, no, it's still there. And I said, Pastor, what's the use in cutting the tree down if you're not going to deal with what's enrooted in the ground? You see, today this message is cutting the tree down. It's cutting the tree down. But here's what I want to ask you is, are you willing to dig deeper and deal with the stump? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this awesome church. God, I ask right now, God, that you would transform our hearts. God, that we would step up and play as a team, move the ball around, not waste any opportunities, and lastly, never, ever, ever give up. God, give us an anointing to be desperate for diversity. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen. God bless you. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Please send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week.